thankful to be with my folk, my people tonight. <laughs> and I ask for y'all to pray for the word to go out. Um, I want to begin, and I really, I think of Brother Harry to do this, but I want to start off by reading, as he would do if he was here. Start, if anybody wants to read along in your Bible, if you got one in the pews, in uh, the book of St. John, beginning in the fourth chapter in the first verse, is where I'll be reading from. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, verse 3, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. And then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is, but saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, the well is deep. From whence then hast thou, thou living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, and his, his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto her, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, nor come back to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go call the husband, and then come talk to me. And the woman answered and said, I I don't have a husband. Jesus said, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Because you've had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that says thou truly. The woman said unto her, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet, our Fathers worshipped in this mountain, and and you say that over there in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. For the hour cometh, and now is, When the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
The woman saith, this is long, but we have a few more verses. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he's going to tell us about all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this, upon this situation, upon this scenario, upon this story, at this moment in the story, came his disciples. That's when they showed up. And they marveled that he talked with this woman. But no man said, what seekest thou to the woman? Or they didn't say to Jesus, why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man which told me all things I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they came out of the city and, and came unto them. And that's, I'm going to stop reading right there. I, uh, I am so thankful to be with y'all here tonight. Not in this spot, not right here, but to be here. I, uh, I was out by myself the other day for some time and a lot of, a lot of thinking going on in this adult mind of mine. And um, when I grew up, I'm so thankful for my parents' example. Not just when I was growing up, but to this day. Um, I'm so thankful that they taught me by example to love God. It wasn't what they said at church that attracted me. It was what I saw at home, away from our folks. And you, a lot of you had the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not doing an elevation thing here. This is a thankful thing. You, you, and you grow up as a child, and uh, my next-door neighbors went to church, and they're still living next door to mom and dad. They, went, they were very involved in their church, and, and you know, I had a lot of friends in the neighborhood and all that stuff. And, and as a child, you just you kind of think that every house and family is kind of like yours. You, know? you don't know it until you get older and you realize, whoa, that is so not true. And what a privilege and, and a blessing that the sanctified people have had to have been nurtured in the love and the admonition Amen. of the gospel and the love and the desire for going to church and being in good meetings and being excited, Sister Alice, when you get there. I love your enthusiasm, Sister. And and, and being and going to feast meeting. And and I, I grew up, and, and when I got old enough, I, I sought the Lord and became sanctified. And, and I was 11 years old. And then we started really kind of traveling. And, man, I... I might have been geeky. I might not have been cool. I wasn't really in my generation. I was a little bit on the outside there sometimes growing up. But I never thought there was anything cooler than going to feast meeting and being with our folks. And I went on walk in a place like this and see you. And it still feels this way today. I can't fake it. I'm not saying this to sound good. I'm not trying to impress you. This is the feeling I have in my heart. A love for our folks. A love for the gospel. A love for holy living. A love for a good, strong preaching and spirited singing and deep felt reach up and touch heaven prayers. I love it. And it's what's going to keep us going. There's a saying in the world, this, uh, it's a business saying, it says the first generation builds it, the second generation enjoys it, the third generation destroys it. And that happens a lot. And I looked out tonight and I see Sister Lauren and Sister Sarah sitting there together. They're both great, great fifth generation granddaughters of Grandma Sade Collins raising their daughters, Sadie and Becca, sixth generation 
raising them in church, raising them in meeting, teach singing the songs of the redeemed to them at home, like mothers sing to their children. Folks, I love it. Thank God for it. Paul, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said that, I, I am gratefully desiring to see thee that I might be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned. That means unfaith. It's genuine. It's real. Faith that is in thee that was first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded it's in you also. Folks, we are in this together. And the world is out. I'm, I'm diverting down side road for just a minute or two. The world is out to destroy the message of the gospel. You know, when we were raised up, we certainly were taught that holiness was right. We were taught that, that there was no man to go please the Lord without holiness. We heard it quoted when I was a kid coming to Columbia. Coming to Columbia when I was a kid was like coming to the sanctified hall of fame. Good gracious sakes. All the lineup that we had of, oh my goodness, y'all know what I'm talking about. Coming here was like, oh my goodness. And, and times are changed so much. We, we are, I'm missing Uncle Vernon tonight. So I know we all are. I'm missing Brother Bobby tonight. I'm missing so many. But folks, not only God, but our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren are counting on us to be faithful. And it doesn't start by coming together at feast meeting. It starts when the party's over and our folks have gone home and it's Wednesday night and you're tired after work and you don't really energetically, physically feel like going to church. But I'm going to tell you something. If you love your children, uh, John Rohde said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. Now, you grandparents, I'm one of them. We're getting old enough to see the end of the way. Some of us are knocking on the door. And you understand as you get older that that it's true, the song we sing, uh, the things of earth will dim and lose their value. So many folks, they get old and they start giving their stuff away. And they start selling their stuff. And they start downsizing. And the big house doesn't matter anymore. And all the toys don't matter anymore because you realize as you get older how simple life is. And you realize as you start facing death. And you realize that you, you might be in the next wave of folks that we're going to the campground to lay to rest. And you start understanding. And there's nothing else that you want for your grandchildren. I'm talking to grandparents tonight. Everybody else take a break for a minute. If you grandparents, is there anything else that you want for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren other than they raise up to serve God? Well, let me tell you something. Their hope is in you. Their hope is in you. You parents, we got babies, we got little ones, we got all kinds. Is there anything else you parents want for your children other than they grow up to serve God? And one day when they get old that they meet you in heaven, is there anything else you want? Let me tell you something, their hope, their hope is resting on you. Your example, right now, your enthusiasm. Your dedication to church when you go back home, wherever you're at. Say amen, brother. I'm here. 
I'm here because I'm, I'm backing you up and you're backing me because we are in this together. And if our example, if my dad had not wanted to go to church and my dad had, you know, been, well, well, well we don't have to go tonight. Well, we got something else to do over here. Dad didn't want me playing ball. He didn't want me doing all that stuff because he wanted me in church. And I'm going to tell you, folks, we can do this. Folks say, well, the church, you know, we're all these older ones and, and, and folks say, well, the church is getting smaller and I hear this stuff. Let me tell you something. It doesn't have to. All the kids we're having, they ain't got to get smaller. No, the, the testimonies we got, it ain't got to get small. But somewhere, somehow, it's got to start with me. I'm through that side road. I hope somebody, I, I, but I tell you what, I'm passionate about it because it's real. And, and, I, and, I, and I want to tell you something, your leaders, I'll say this and stop, your leaders need your support. Not just a pat on the back, they need you here in church. When the doors open, the meeting's a whole lot better with a big crowd when the bell rings than if it's just a couple of us. Somebody say amen. 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 We're going to do this, folks. We're going we're gonna to make it. I want This scripture that I read to you is a beautiful 30-verse long passage. And it's got some amazing things in it. Um, for those of us, even if you weren't raised in the church, God loves you and is after your soul. God, want, he so loves you that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, whosoever, that's you. And so he wants, he wants the, this is the will of God. You want to know the will of God? What God's will? This is the will of God, even your sanctification. Not your, I raised my hand and I met the Lord 20 years ago thing. No, your sanctification. Him growing you to His holiness. Him growing you in grace from the time you leave the altar. Him building you up in the most holy faith. This is the will of God is your sanctification. The will of God is not that you preach to a million people and you did and you did and you did. It's your sanctification. And, 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 and if you went and preached all over the world and you died lost, it, it, it's in vain as far as your soul is, it, it goes. So the will of God is your sanctification. And, and, and God will meet you in sometimes in the most inopportune time of your life. This woman at the well is what we commonly call her. We don't know her name. We don't know anything about her family. We know a little bit about her family history. Some people would call that TMI information. You know, I didn't even know that about you. Um, but and especially in that day and time, it was worse now then than it is now. But that woman just went to the well on an ordinary day. It was something she had done before. It was something she knew how to do. It was just her doing her job. And that day that she went to the well, just probably like, oh boy, I gotta go get this water. Now imagine this, y'all. We don't know. We hit the spigot and the water comes out. She's getting a bucket of water and having to carry it home. She's probably like, oh man, I don't know what I do. And that day, Jesus showed up where she was. Right. That's right. It was not just another day. 
Some of you here have gone away from God. You know about serving God. You know what you ought to be doing. You know where you've been. You know what you've done. And you're just going through life. And it's just another day. And you got plans. She probably, this woman at the well, when she got back home, she was going to do something with that water. She didn't come there just for fun and took that water. She had a plan for it. She had a purpose for it. I don't know if she was going to cook with it. She was going to wash clothes with it. But she was. She had something. And you got something planned. And you got something scheduled. But let me tell you so when Jesus comes up and shows up, he's going to knock on your door. He's going to change the course of your day. He did it for some of you here in different ways. Some of you went to church and at a meeting. Somebody said something to you that caused you to divert course and start thinking about things you had shoved behind you for a long time. Well, this isn't for me. I can't live like these yeah. folks. I can't right. do what they do. You had all the excuses lined up, but when Jesus shows up, yeah. all the excuses yeah. strip away in the face of Jesus. Right. Let me tell you something. And so this woman started, uh, he, he told her to get him to drink, and, 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 and she started immediately questioning him. Yeah. Why are you even talking to me? I don't know if folks do that with the Lord or not. I know Sister Harriet, when she was under conviction, she was in a silent struggle, didn't tell a lot of folks about it, but she prayed, she's testified to this, prayed for God to give her a sign. And she was driving down the road, and there was a billboard, and what did it say? God loves you. You want a sign? I'll give you a billboard. Is that good enough for you? Huh? Don't be afraid to ask God for something. You want a sign? I'll give you a billboard. And it changed the course. That was a that somebody might laugh and say, well, that just happened to no, that didn't happen to be. That was her story, her testimony of God working with her, and that confirmation of her prayer. That confirmation. I'm in a job now where we'll we'll send in an order for something and we ask for the, the, the supplier to send us back a confirmation that they got the order. You got a confirmation to your prayer that God was listening and that God was warning you and it was enough to give you enough seed of faith to move the mountains of doubt in front of you and be cast into the sea and God sanctified her. Somebody say amen. He can meet you where you are. You might say, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. No, you're not. None of us were. And such were some of you. Actually, he could have written it, such were all of you. All of us were born in sin. It's shaping in iniquity. All of us lived a life of carnality. All of us have things in our past we're not proud of and we wish nobody else knew about and we're ashamed of. But when we come to God, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just. He's not going to forgive Sister Alice and not forgive me. He's just. He loves us all the same. There's no no separation like that with God. And He will, if we confess, He was faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Aren't you glad He forgives? Aren't you glad that He cast our sins behind His back? Never to be remembered against us anymore. As far as the east is from the west. Just keep spreading it out. At the speed of sound, speed of light. So far hath he removed our, 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 removed our sins from us. 
So Jesus turned it around. He said, oh, she's wanting answers to this. Harry, why are you even talking with me? He said, if you knew. You knew the gift. You knew the gift of God. How many times have you wanted to tell your friends? If you could just understand what I've got. You could understand why I'm happy. Why I'm at rest. Why I'm peaceful. Why I'm content. You knew the gift of God. And if you knew who it is that's talking to you, it's not your mind going on a trip. God's meeting you where you're at. He wants you. He wants you sanctified. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. Now, God loves us in all of our weirdness. Somebody say amen. Because we're all different. Aren't we glad for that? We're all weird. We all got quirks and personalities and things that make us unique. And God loves us enough to deal with us with all of our issues and all of our, all of our insecurities and all of the stuff that makes us who we are that we don't want everybody else to know about. And listen, that doesn't mean that you, when you become sanctified, are going to act like everybody else. Because God is going to change your heart and make you a new creature in Christ where old things and it's not just talking about old habits and patterns and actions and reactions although that's part of the package but I'm going to tell you what the you that used to be is going to be a new creation in Christ Jesus you're going to act in ways that you didn't act before and you'll be amazed yourself go what happened to me what happened to you was Jesus Jesus. It's no longer us, it's Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Well, she come down and she started uh, in the middle of this conversation when Jesus told her that if you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. Let me tell you, if you're not serving God tonight, if you keep doing the things you're doing, you're going to continually be hungry. You're going to keep on longing, searching, looking. You're going to keep on feeling empty. If you drink of this water, if you keep living your life in carnality, you're going to keep getting carnal answers to everything that you're doing. It's, it's, it, when you're living in carnality before you come to Christ, it's all about you. Everything is about me. It's about self. And the, the, the way of the cross is about self-denial. Right. It's about sacrifice. It's about giving up you to become what God wants you to be. Which you really can't imagine until it happens. Right. We, we, you, you ladies are expecting sometimes with babies, and, and we, we project, don't we? We wonder what the baby's going to look like and what the baby's going to act like and which side of the family is it going to. But we don't really know until the baby is born. And you might wonder, what, it, what it, would it be like living sanctified? What would it be like yeah. serving God? You don't know how wonderful God's going to make you until you submit yourself and allow Him to be born in you. And that thing that's born in you will be called the Son of God. And you'll be a son or a daughter of God. You won't be the old person 
that, that that's toting water from the well, you're going to get the everlasting water that just keeps you alive and keeps you fresh because it's Jesus in you. Oh my goodness. And so Jesus in the middle of this conversation says, go tell your husband. Man, I'm so glad that's part of this story. Because in your negotiations with Jesus, see, when you negotiate with people, we tell people what they want, what we want them to hear, don't we? Sometimes people say, how you doing? And you say, fine. It ain't fine at all. But you don't want them to know that. That's okay. That's, that's not deceitful. That's okay. But I'll tell you something. You can't fake it with Jesus. Because this woman said, when she went to the city, she said, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. I don't, I don't know how all the uh, legal stuff was back in that day. Today, if a man or a woman had been married five times, you could go to the courthouse and look it up. It's, it's a matter of public record. Get a marriage license, you got a divorce decree. You got a marriage license five times. Imagine that, five times. In that day, I don't think they had all that. So she could have even hid that from her, her circle around her. Like people do today. You got things in your face. You don't want nobody to know about it. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus knows all about you. Everything. Your thoughts. Your intents. There's nothing hid from God. He knows everything about He said, oh, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've been married five times. And the guy you're living with now, y'all ain't married. Right. Yeah, yeah. He knew exactly. Right. And you know what? It impressed the woman. Yeah. She wasn't, he wasn't saying it in condemnation. He was telling her, I know where you've been. I know what you've done. I'm still offering you the everlasting water of life. And I'm saying that to this congregation tonight. You might be ashamed for us to know about it. We don't need to know. We don't want to know. But Jesus not only knows where you've been, knows what you've done, knows what you said, but He loves you enough to come find you anyway. He loves you enough to call you anyway. He loves you enough to give you grace for a new life. He's not a God of He is a God of judgment. But in this case, when He's calling you and He's wanting to draw you, He is giving you grace, yes. unmerited favor that you don't deserve, giving you a chance for a new life. Amen. I'm telling you, oh, the God knows where you've been. He knows all about you. And folks, He wants you. The will of God is your sanctification. I don't want, for those of our folks, His children that are here, that may be lost, that may not be serving God, may not be where you're at. I don't want you to put the sanctification thing in a box. A lot of us, over the years, it was we were raised to hear that, that sanctification was a lot of don'ts. My mother told me sanctified people don't do this and don't go there. And, and there is some of that. That's, that's, part, that's part of the self-denial. But what I want you to hear tonight is that sanctification is about you being the very best life that you could possibly live. It's about the overcoming of sin in your life. 
It's about not feeling bad about what you did the night before, the weekend before, the month before. It's about not having regrets about who you've been hanging out with and the decisions you made and the influences you were under. It's about living free from the condemnation, free from the debt of sin, free from being driven to do what you don't really want to do. It's about freedom. And if you'll give your life to Jesus, submit yourself to Christ, He will make you the man and the woman that He wants out of you, which is a sanctified man or woman. We are going to go into prayer tonight. A lot of people to pray for, but if God has spoken to your heart in any of this tonight, please, please have the courage to walk down this aisle and come to these altars and give yourself to Christ. Let's all stand as we sing this next song.